Elaine and Fred. Elaine's mother has fell, fallen ill, and Elaine has seen about her mother. Fred has to see about his mother. So they both are being pulled at both ends to see about their parents. So be praying for Fred and Elaine as they go through these times. And I may need another water because I'm getting so dry that my tongue is sticking. We're going to pick back up in Revelations chapter 3, 15, about Laodicea. And I want you to know, it speaks about all seven churches and gives each one of the churches their problems. But do you understand this? All them problems could be in one church. Or any of them problems could affect any church. And we need to understand, we're not immune to those problems that Ephesus may have had that we've lost our what? Our first love. We're not immune that Satan somehow doesn't get in here. Thank you. That Satan himself doesn't get in here and causes all kinds of problems. We're not immune to false teaching that could creep in. We're not immune to a Jezebel coming up and being involved in preaching and teaching. We're not immune to those things that he warns us about. All those things do happen, I believe, because of what takes place in Laodicea. When a church becomes relaxed with the word of God, then other things begin to fill in. We don't need pastor anniversary. We don't need... uh, Usher anniversary, we don't need teacher anniversary, we don't need all these other things that fill in space. There's only one person who is to be honored in the church and lifted up, and that's Jesus Christ. Him and his word. And when other things begin to put his word off to the side, we're losing something. We're losing something. It's Jesus Christ that we come to church to hear about. We don't come to church to find a wife. We don't come to church to find a husband. We don't come to church because all my friends are there. I come to church because of one reason, one reason only. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And somehow the church has to recapture that. That it's all about Jesus. It's not even about me. So we have people who don't come to church because this happened, that happened, or that happened. It's about Jesus Christ. Not about what's happening to you. Now something should be happening to you. The Holy Spirit should be getting a greater hold in your life. Jesus should be coming more alive in your life. There's something that should be happening to you. Yes! And what we want to talk about with the church of Laodicea is simply this. Jesus desires more than a lukewarm individual. He wants you to be more than lukewarm. 
Marine Corps taught me to eat cold, cold food in Elaine today. She liked hers hot. And I like mine just about cold. Because you didn't have much time to eat. You didn't have time to be able to... You didn't have time to do that. You ate and you got on. God's kingdom are looking for men and women who are hot and want to be busy for him. Want to be busy for him. Everybody expects programs to come from pastor or from a board. No. The programs come from within the heart as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and then you're able to perform and do and God will then supply whatever else is needed. You are his servant. You're not my servant. You're not Aquan Lion Fellowship's servant. You are the servants of the most high God. And he desires more from you than what you could ever expect. Lukewarmness is that thing that somehow in Christianity we think we can live life our way. If you're a Christian trying to live life your way, you're wrong. You're wrong. You've got to get that word of God inside, in the heart, in the mind. Have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. You've got to get the word of God in your mind, in your heart, and then you can not only be a hearer of it, you got to begin to participate with it, being a doer of it. Amen. Or you only deceive yourself. That's all you'll do. You'll only deceive yourself. You cannot live the Christian life your way. You cannot make up your rules for Christianity. You got to look into the Word of God and be willing to follow what the Word then declares. You have to be willing to do it. You can't do it by your own imagination of what you think is right and wrong. You got to get into the Word of God. You got to dig in it. You got to live in it. You got to want to know what God says of how you live. You can't do it your way. When life is lived your way, you need to ask one question. Does it please God? So young man, young woman, when you get ready to jump into bed with somebody, you need to ask one question. Is this pleasing to God? When you get ready to drink something, you need to ask, is it pleasing to God? When you get ready to cut somebody out, you need to ask, is this pleasing to God? If you begin to ask if it's pleasing to God, you'll be surprised if you listen what you might hear. If you'll ask the question. Because you're not here to please man. You're here to please God. And what you need to ask, is it pleasing to God? My wife this morning, she asked last night, she said, when are you going to get a haircut? I said, I'm going to let my hair grow so you can braid it. <laughs> now, she didn't laugh. Remember that old saying we used to say? 
if looks could kill, if looks could cut hair, it would have been cut this morning. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'm going to look like some of the young folks, you know. Now, in Revelation, it says, Jesus is the witness, in Revelation 3.15, that he is the true witness. See, God knows not to call Elaine up to be a witness about my life. Because she'd be telling, you know, he was going through one of them midlife crises, and he was doing this, and he was trying to be young again. No, a true witness. A true witness. Hey, that's what's important. And that's who Jesus is. Now in Luke 11, 27, 28, I want you to see how Satan gets you off the track sometime when you're involved in something. And Satan then kind of like sidetracks you. God is trying to speak to you. God is gearing your life one way. God's doing something. But then something pops up. It sounds good. It sounds right, but that's not what God is talking about at that moment. And in Luke 11, you have that happen. So in chapter 11, in verse 14, it said, Jesus is driving out demons. He's dealing with demons. Then over in verse 27, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother. Well, wait a minute. I'm not talking about my mom. I'm dealing with demons. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth. Yes, that's important, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about demons. Now, the one way in which you lose interest in God is that you stop talking about the main thing. The Lord Jesus Christ. You stop telling people about the main thing. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about you per se. It's Jesus first, you second. What Jesus has done in my life. Not how I made my life better. But what Jesus did to make my life better. And what did I have to do in response to that in order to help him to make my life better? Because he says we are co-workers. There's two people working on your life. The Holy Spirit and you. The Holy Spirit and you. Holy Spirit won't do it by himself and you can't do it by yourself. It takes both. It takes God's intervention in your life to change you. He wasn't talking about, but look how Jesus replied to that. Jesus said, he replied, Blessed, brother, are those who hear the word of God and do it. He didn't get sidetracked. He said, blessed are those, not blessed by my mom, no, oh, no. Yes, she's a blessed woman. Yes, this and that. But that's not our subject right now. Our subject is demons. How do we deal with them? By the word of God. Blessed is those who hear the word of God. Not just hear it. And here's where he agrees with James 1 now. 
22, don't only be a what? A hearer of the word, but what? Be a doer of the word, because if you're not participating with the word, you're not really responding to the word. It doesn't do you any good to know it and don't do it. That's like having a hundred dollars in your pocket, because you're hungry and you want a hamburger, you're going to start begging. You already got what you have need of. Go get the hamburger. Period. And the whole issue is that we got to understand Satan will always be trying to sidetrack us. That's what the church of Laodicea didn't understand. They saw themselves one way. God saw them another way. Many people who call themselves Christians Listen to the word, but do not participate in the word. If you're only a hearer, and you're not participating in the word, the word is there to sharpen you. The word is there to help you. The word is there to build you up. The word is there to guide you and to establish your walk. The word is there for your character, to build a new character in you. The word is there to cause you to look more like Jesus. But you're just a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. Then you are only deceiving yourself and calling yourself a Christian when you may be far from being a Christian. The amazing thing about the laity the seeing church, they were Christians, but they were being deceived. All of these churches, all seven churches, Christian people, but being deceived by Satan. Believing a lie, believing an error. And whenever we get away from the word of God, you're going to believe something that is not true. You want to hang in in the word of God. You want to hide it in your heart. That you know it. You want to get used to knowing the voice of God. Hearing from God. The Holy Spirit. You want to get to know them. Many people say they're Christians. But they're far from it. Because they do not participate. In the word of God. And when you don't participate, this is what it leads to. Lukewarmness, a double-mindedness. What's a double-mindedness? I'm listening to the world, and I'm listening to God, and I'm listening to the world. And you're listening to both, and you do what? Nothing. Nothing. You can't serve two masters. You can't follow two masters. You can't obey two masters. It's either one or the other. And if you follow the world, then you're an enemy of Christ. It's just that simple. It leads to lukewarmness. It leads to double-mindedness. And it shows the Christian their unbelief. It shows the Christian their unbelief. We are always challenged in life 
Do I believe God? Or I believe how I feel? Do I believe God? Or do I believe my best friend? Do I believe God? Or do I believe my experiences? Do I believe God? And it shows us our unbelief. Because our belief is always being challenged by something of Satan, which is unbelief. And whenever you find God's word being challenged, it's of Satan that's challenging the word and challenging you to believe. And you have the choice at that moment. I'm going to believe God no matter what. Go to Daniel chapter 3, 17. Before we get to Revelation. Daniel chapter 3. And Daniel had to come to this place also. All of us do. Am I going to believe God? Or am I going to believe my own thoughts? How I feel? How I think? What I want to do? So in Daniel 3, in verse 17, uh, let me get there. He says, He's speaking to the king and the challenge is given. They're going to be thrown in the fire and they're going to be this and they're going to be that. Listen to what he says. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Do you have the confidence that God is able to save you from it? That's the decision that David came to here. Either God's going to heal me, or God's going to provide for me, or God's going to take me home, I'm healed. Whichever way God chooses to do it, I'm healed. And he came to that point. Daniel came to that same point. Yes, God's able to save me, but if he don't, boy, Even if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from all, from it. And he will rescue us from your hands, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And he made it up in his mind, no matter which way we go here, I'm okay with it. How many of you have made up in your mind, whichever way God acts in your life, you're okay with it? It's okay if God heals me. It's okay if he doesn't heal me. He's using me. It's okay I have pain. He's using me. It's his choice to how painful the pain will be. It's his choice. And you have to understand this principle again. God said, I'll never put more upon you than what you can bear. But it is a testing of how you will react. Go over to 
Daniel 9, 2 and 4. <clears throat> Catch this how Daniel prays. And, 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 and we need to maybe gather our prayers around this and so what. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 through 4. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the scriptures. If you don't understand the scriptures, you have nothing to stand on. Your fears will take you all over the map. You have to understand God's word for you. For you. For you, you got to get into scripture and understand God's plan of his plan for you and what he wants to do with you. And Daniel said, I understood from the scripture. Where did he grab his understanding? From the word of God. Where are you going to grab your understanding? From the word of God. And he says, in the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he, desolation of Jerusalem, would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. It's nice to have doctors. It's nice to have nurses. It's nice to have the medical knowledge. It's nice to have the pills. It's nice to have all these things. But do you leave God out? Or do you bring God into it? And our job is to bring God into it. And trust him. We bring the Lord into it. And trust him. We're his. We belong to him. We bring him into our circumstances. And we live there and trust him. Now, in Revelation 3.15, let's get there because I want you to pick up on a word there. Last time I spoke on this, we talked about us. What bewails us? What hurts us? Now I want you to see what Jesus is willing to do if you're willing to listen. What Jesus wants. And in that verse 15, listen to what he says. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish. I wish. Here's the person who, with all authority, who can make you. He says, I wish. The other translation that is basically used there, I would. I would. And he has all the authority to make you do what he wants you to do. He has the authority to make you be what he wants you to be. But he says, I wish. Why? God will not make you do anything. Is you learning to surrender to his will. You surrendering to his purpose. 
you surrendering to his way of life. He won't make us because if he made us, we would just be robots. The issue is, if I love him, I do it. I do it. If I'm in a real relationship with him, I do it. Because I know him. And he says, I wish you were hot or cold. He's not going to make us be either one. Whose choice is it? He gives us the ability, but he will not make the decision for us. Understand that. He gives you the ability, but he will not make that decision for you. That's the decision you have to make in your life. If you're going to live for him or you're not going to live for him. He said, those that are for me are for me. Those who are against me are what? Are against me. There's no middle ground. And most of us are trying to live where at? In the middle ground. And scripture never gives us middle ground. It's a choice we always have to make. Either I am or I'm not going to live for the Lord. And he says, I wish you were hot or cold. What is he saying? I wish you would go ahead and make a decision. Because, see, I'm thinking about spewing you out of my mouth. I'm thinking about putting you out. But I'm hoping you will make the right decision and I won't have to do what I'm thinking about. You can do it. You can do it, Jesus says. Your way. You can do it your way or you can do it my way. It's your choice. I can be a submissive wife or I can be a rebellious wife. Whose choice? Yeah. I can be a loving wife or I can be a very angry wife. Whose choice? I can be a very loving husband. Or I can be a lousy, no good husband, still married. And got somebody praying, Lord, get him out of here. Lord, get him out of here. Well, that's the wrong prayer anyhow. But that's how I feel. Or I can choose to be what? The husband that God wants me to be. I can choose to be the best employee or I can choose to be the most laziest, worthless, shiftless employee. I can steal everything from the person until I get caught. Or I can be one of integrity and honesty and of a sound character and understand I don't work for him or her. or her. I work to him. I work as unto the Lord. I know who I serve. I know who woke me up this morning. It wasn't the alarm clock. It wasn't the job. It was him. And we need to get that understood. Either I love him or I love the world. 
I love the things of the Lord or I love the things of the world. That's the confusing part for our mind. Once we tell our mind which direction we'll go, it's ready to go. But boy, when we're telling our mind, oh, I'm going to go this way, oh, I'm going to go this way, oh, no, I'm going to go over here, I confuse myself. I create my own double mind, double standards. Either it's right or it's wrong. There's no gray area. In our chaplain class one time down at Akron General, uh, myself and a Nazarene pastor, we kind of took odds with the other pastors. And the, the one uh, woman pastor, she said, if I decide to walk down Main Street naked, nobody should touch me. I said, that is foolish. If you walk down Main Street naked, somebody's going to touch you. Because in their mind, they're thinking, you want to be touched. So don't think that if you walk down Main Street, nobody's going to touch you. As a Christian, God says, you should clothe yourself and do it properly. It's not that you're enticing somebody or you are the one calling somebody. You are the one that understands how you should be dressed. As Christians, we need to understand. Now, Jesus understood how you see yourself. A lot of us sometimes see ourselves as losers. Sometimes we see ourselves with no value. Sometimes we see ourselves uneducated. Sometimes we see ourselves rich when we're poor. The thing is, is to catch the picture how Jesus sees you. What's the value that Jesus placed on you? Jesus said, I'll go to the cross for you. You're valuable. Jesus said, I'll clothe you in a robe of righteousness. He don't see you with all your sins. He died for that. You've got to begin to see yourself in a different light than what you are in. There's nothing wrong with looking in the mirror and making corrections on the outside. But understand on the inside, the only one who can make those corrections is the Holy Spirit. And he says, as the word of God goes into us, it cleanses us from all defilement. But the word got to get in there. They say, Jesus says to them <coughs> in verse 17. In verse 17, pick up with the but. Because they say that they are rich, they're this, they're that. But when you get to the but, but you do not realize that's where most people are at. They really don't realize the destruction that's in their life. They don't realize the harm that they've done to their own life. A young, a young lady doesn't realize after having two or three children by different men, the damage that she's done not only to herself, but to three children. Men who father many children don't understand the damage they do to themselves. 
and they get angry blaming the woman because they wind up in court having to pay out so much money that they become embittered at the woman because they got to pay this child support. Well, whose child is it? It's not just hers. It's yours too. Don't be enraged at her. This is something you did to yourself. And we don't want to see that sometimes. We don't want to understand what we did to ourselves because we would not listen to wise counsel or to the word of God. And we do it to ourselves. We hurt ourselves. And he says, you don't realize that you are ratchet. Ratchet. The word meaning miserable. Unhappy. Distressed. Poor. Quality of life. You have a poor quality of life. And sometimes when people have a poor quality of life, they blame other people. Look, they think they got something. They think they something. They, they got a house. They got a car. They got a little money. Yeah, they worked hard for it. It's not saying you can't be there. But you want to blame other people while you're not there. And ratchet means being miserable in life. Now ask yourself this question. Is that life God planned for me? To be miserable. You get into the word of God. He says his desire is that you live an abundant life. Not a miserable life. Secondly, he says you're pitiful. You have a pitiful life. And other people pity you. And in their pity, they they try to offer you something and sometimes your pride won't accept it. But yet you are pitiful. And you have to understand, you are pitiful. I remember as a young pastor down to Church of Friendship Baptist with my first sermon, Miss Fuller came up to me. She said, young man, you just stay at it. You keep at it. But right now, you're a little pitiful. <laughs> because staying at something does make you better. If you'll stay at it and don't quit, you'll get better. If you keep working at it and you want it and that's your goal, you'll get there. But it has to be within you. It's not just going to be given to you. And he says, you're someone to be pitiful because of your sad life. Then he says, you're poor. And poor is destitute of Christian values here. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount. You're poor spiritually. You have no spiritual virtue or values. You don't have the eternal riches that belong to you as a Christian. You haven't begun to draw on the bank of heaven where you could draw upon. You have not been able to draw upon the highest education that is there for man 
the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. It's good to have a degree, but boy, we got doctors, we got lawyers, we got everybody in some type of degree that boy, they are strung out on something. Now understand this, we all are. Something got you. That's what had the Laodicean church. They were addicted to their riches. They were addicted to their clothing. They were addicted to their lifestyle. They were addicted. And God says, you're wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor. And then he says, you're blind. Mentally blind. Where's the mind of Christ at? For Philippians says, have this mind in you. The mind of Christ. Have the attitude of Christ. Where is that at? That's why he says, I'm going to renew your mind in Ephesians. Because your old mind won't work in the Christian lifestyle. It has to be a new mind. Go to Luke chapter 10. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, now catch this, because the scripture tells us, you have eyes, but you what? See not. You have ears, but you what? You hear not. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see. If you're really a Christian, you're going to see life different than the person who is not a Christian. God opens your eyes to so many things when you believe him. You see things differently than the people of the world. And he goes on and he says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you, that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not what? Hear it. God has something to say to you that nobody else will know about, but it would be you and God. You and God. God wants to show you things about your life. Nobody else will know about it. It'll be you and God. And then the last one, he says, you're naked without clothing. The righteousness of God is our clothing. The righteousness of God. And he says, you're without clothing. You're naked. You're nude. You're vulnerable. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Now catch this now. Clothe yourself 
with compassion. Oh boy. Lord, I don't like that guy. I don't like that person. And you want me to show love to them? Yes. Lord, they're mean. They're arrogant. They're this. You want me to show love? Yes. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Every one of those acts is what God did to us. He showed us compassion, kindness, gentleness. And he says, now put this on. And put on the coat of righteousness, his righteousness, not your own. Come on down just a little bit with me and we'll end. He says, bear with each other. People, God will put people in your life that is unbearable. To teach you to what? Bear one another. When you got somebody in your life that's unbearable, God, I can't stand them. Understand something. God put them in your life to work something out in you. And he tells us, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Until you get God's word in you, you'll never know the peace of God. The peace of God comes through understanding what God is doing in your life. And you can say, okay, okay, I'm safe in his hands. I'm safe in his will and doing his will. I'm safe. Let's close out here. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let what? The word of Christ. Do what? Dwell in you. Let the word of God live in you. Let the word of God have its own way in your life. I may not want to do it, but if God's word says do it, I do it. Let the word of God dwell in you live in you. One of the problems we have as Christians, we switch back and forth too quickly. We go from the world's wisdom to God's wisdom. World's wisdom, God's wisdom. Sell it. It is the word of God that has dominion and right in my life. And I'm going to yield to that word. 
I'm going to live that word. I'm going to follow after that word. I'm going to honor that word. Because when I honor God's word, I honor him. And Samuel says, when you honor him, he will honor you. No matter what your battle is, God will honor you when you honor him. Father, we thank you for your word. and We thank you, Lord, how your Holy Spirit is able to teach us your word. And we just give you praise and thanks that, Lord, you're working in our lives. And, Lord, we are a people with stiff necks. We are a stubborn people. We are a hard-hearted people. We confess that, oh God. But, God, we want to know your will. We want to know how to live for you. We want to know how, oh God, to live this Christian life in such a way that it honors and is pleasing in your sight. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be cold. We want to be hot for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, you said, if there's a willing mind, it's acceptable unto you. Help us to leave this doubleness of mind. Help us to leave this worldly mind. Help us, Lord, to give up our way and to surrender to your way. Lord, minister to us. And as we prepare to come to this table, minister to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, would you come? Come.